many months and ultimately years. And so when Pastor Craig came to me a couple months ago and shared his vision for me for this weekend, I was floored because the way it aligned with the things God has been speaking to me personally for a couple years truly is incredible. And so I'm so blessed to serve such an incredible senior pastor, are we not, who's very in tune very in tune with God, and we serve an incredible God who works details out, and so I truly believe that um, what God has for us this morning hopefully is powerful and impactful and leaves you inspired and ready to go be a difference maker. And before I get started, I do want to share with you something really cool that's happening in the youth group right now. And so my role in all of this is uh, to help Kyle out with a student ministry. And so here at Crossroads, We have a group of teenagers who are so excited about living all out for God. And so a couple of Fridays ago, we actually had a student-led worship night. So we have a picture of a couple teenagers who I want to highlight. So uh, this is Audrey. Beth Ann and Grady, and we take our students on a winter retreat every year. And in this winter retreat, I prayed over um, Audrey specifically and just called out some leadership in her. And I said, hey, you're senior. She, gradu- she graduated this year. She was here during first service. And I said, you're a leader. God wants to use you today, in this year, in this time. And I just kind of left it there and uh, allowed her to do with that what she felt like she was supposed to do with that. And a couple months ago, she came to Kyle and I and said, you know how those, uh, you know how the adult services do, like a, a night of worship? I want to do that too. Could we do that? Could we do a student night worship? And Kyle and I were like, yeah, you can. Yes, you can. You can do it. And they're like, she says, what if we invite the entire church and it becomes a family worship event? How amazing would that be? And we were like, that would be amazing. And so Audrey, the incredible young lady that she is, rallies her troops. She gets Grady. Um, and Beth Ann and Grady and Audrey begin to plan this. They create the worship set, and then Beth Ann prepares a message. They ask Beth Ann to pre- prepare a message. And so these people had church for us, everybody. Are you kidding me? Teenagers having church Friday night in the middle of their summer. If you have young kids, let me tell you the future of our church is bright, and you need to not be afraid because there are leaders in the church who are being raised up today in making a difference, and I'm so excited that my kids get to learn from some phenomenal teenagers. And so if you're a teenager and you don't come hang out with us on Sunday nights, I hope that you would come and be a part of what God is doing at CSM because it truly is amazing. So I'm just going to start off really raw and transparent with you guys. So for me, uh, I have been through uh, this season for the last few years of questioning, God, can you use me in this season? My life is busy. I am busy raising little kids. I am doing my best to keep up with our marriage, and we really prioritize dating each other and making sure that we are continuing to grow as a married couple. I serve alongside my husband in the youth ministry, and being committed to our church is very important to our family. And we have groups that we are a part of, and the to-do list at home is never-ending, is it not? And that's our life, and I'm assuming I'm not alone in that, and that maybe you have found yourself in a similar season with me where you have found busyness to overtake your life. And so 
What I tend to do then when busyness overcomes uh, my situations is I silently settle and I say, God, next year. Next year will be my year where I achieve my dreams, I achieve my goals. And maybe you found yourself settling as well. Like next year, when the kids are um, not babies and they're toddlers and they can communicate with me, that will, that will make life so much easier. Or next year, when, when they're in kindergarten and I have all this free time. Or next season, when they're in high school, but then you begin to realize that the high school extracurricular activities pull and make you busy as well. Or maybe you have found yourself in a season where your kids are grown and they're getting married and you're in the busyness of wedding planning or becoming a grandma and busyness of trying to embrace this new season of busyness. Or you're a seasoned grandparent and you've expected the season of busyness to finally settle, yet you've found yourself to still be busy because that's just life, right? Every season comes with its new busyness, its new level of busyness. That's just ordinary life. And I want to introduce you to a couple named Rick and Diane. You've never met Rick and Diane before. Rick and Diane got married 50 years ago next year, which is so amazing. Yes, it's amazing. They're incredible. They gave their life to the Lord when they were just 17 years old. And Rick was drafted into the military at 19. And his girlfriend at the time, he really wanted to take with him. And so they got married. And shortly after they got married, they were drafted and they began having babies. After having babies, they found themselves um, settling back in Kenosha, Wisconsin, where they went to college and uh, just kind of settled. You know, they just, they settled. Their kids were um, elementary age at this point. They were business launchers and they had a really awesome life. They loved the Lord. God was doing incredible things in their life. They were very connected. But Diane couldn't help but shake this feeling like she was supposed to have another baby. She couldn't shake it. She knew she wanted to grow her family. She knew that that's what the Lord was calling her to do. And so she was obedient to that. And though you've never met Rick and Diane, you today are impacted by Rick and Diane because when they took a risk to say yes, to continue to grow their family, even though they were already comfortable in the season of life they were in and invite more babies into their life, they had Carrie, their third born, their first daughter, Carrie is a a very ordinary physics teacher. We have a picture of Carrie as well. And Carrie is a very ordinary physics teacher. She is, uh, at the time when I met Carrie, she was a new mom, a full-time working new mom to a one-year-old who had only been married for four years at this point. She was in the beginning stages of the foundations of her family, and I was in a very broken place as her high school student in her public high school career. I was very broken, and I needed somebody to share their faith with me. And she pulled up a seat at her dinner table when her life was so insanely busy, and she didn't say next year. She said today. She said this year. And in the midst of what could have been very excusable busyness, she said today. Today, I will love the people that God has put in my life. And there was a roller coaster. It was not an easy transition for me. 
I was very stubborn. I was a stubborn kid. And I um, didn't really change right away. For three years, as she continued to have babies, as she continued in her newlywed stages, as she continued to serve in a church, as she continued to maintain her home and be a full-time working new mom having more babies, she continued to pull her chair up at her dinner table and say, come on in to my ordinary life. And for that, I am so thankful. And as you can imagine, Carrie is a hero of the faith to me. There are a lot of heroes in the faith for in my life, but there are also many that we can find in scripture. And so we're going to look at Judges today. We're going to look um, in, in the book of Judges, chapter 4, we're going to look at Deborah's story. And what's so incredible about Deborah's story um, Wow. <laughs> we are going to learn more about Deborah. But before we get into that, I want you to know that I am picking up where Pastor Craig left off last week. And so if you didn't join us last week, you are more than welcome to jump in on our podcast so that you can stay connected with the things that are happening in this every series. And so if you'd like to, uh, so if you're not able to make it a week, feel free to jump on our podcast and uh, just listen to the different things that we have so you can stay connected. So we're picking up right where Pastor Craig left off. And so this is in Deborah verse one. It says this, it says, again, the Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord now that Ehud was dead. So the Lord sold them into the hands of Jabin. Sisera, the commander of his army, was based in Heroseth Hagim. Because he had 900 chariots fitted with iron and had cruelly oppressed the Israelites for 20 years, they cried to the Lord for help. So what's happening here is picture this. Picture you've been late to work repetitively. And your boss has come to you and said, you've been late one too many times. And next time, that's just, I'm sorry, I'm going to have to let you go. And here you are on your way to work in a very ordinary setting, in a very ordinary situation, but you keep catching every red light. And you're at the point where you're looking at the clock and you realize, if I catch another red light, I'm probably going to be late, and I know what's on the other side of being late. I could lose my job. And so you might then find yourself becoming very emotional and pleading to God. God, please don't let me catch another red light. Do not let me uh, catch this red light. If I, if, if I catch every green light from here, what would you say? I swear I'll never sin again. I'll swear I'll never do this again. I, I swear I won't find myself in this situation, right? Have, has anyone else ever found themselves in that kind of situation where you're pleading and pulling? Here's the deal. When you're in a situation where you need something to look different and you find yourself pleading and pulling, who are you turning to? You're turning to a person who you think can change the outcome. Otherwise, you wouldn't be pleading and pulling with that person, right? And so the Israelites found themselves in this position where they know the choices they made are going to bring an outcome that they do not want to experience. And so they are pleading for something to be different. And so who they turn to is crucial because they are going to turn to somebody who they know can make a difference. And so if we read on, we see that, they, that the Israelites turn to Deborah. It says this, it says, now Deborah, a prophet, the wife of Lapidus, was leading Israel at the time. She held court, and the Israelites went up to her to have their disputes decided. She then sent for Brock and said to him, the Lord, the God of Israel, commands you, go with you, ten, go, take with you 10,000 men and lead them up to Mount Tabor. 
I will lead Sisera, the commander of Jabin's army, with his troops and his chariots to the Kishon River and give them to you in your hands. This is huge. This is not the 21st century. Women didn't lead. Women did not lead in this time. In fact, not only did women not lead, if women were wives, then they certainly were written off of a role of leadership because the role of a wife was to be the helpmate and servant and submissive to the husband. Now, don't hear me wrong. I still believe that it is important to serve our spouse and to, um, to serve our spouse and to support our spouse and to submit to our spouses as a wife. Do not hear that that's not what I believe. However, in this society, the, si- the society at this time was saying, you can't lead. You don't have a say. You carry no influence. Yet when the Israelites found themselves in a time where they desperately desired change, they turned to this woman. Why would they turn to a woman in a time when women didn't, women didn't typically have authority or have an influential role in the lives of people or large groups of people for that matter? And I think that we can look at the word and we can see a lot of things that Deborah did. And the first one is this, and you'll find this in your um, fill in the blanks. It's your first fill in the blank. It's that boldness... Paired with kindness will inspire those around us. Boldness is defined as being willing to take risks and act innovatively. And kindness is just the quality of which you are friendly. When you pair those things together, you will win over people. You will inspire people because it's not about how aggressive you are. Boldness is not being aggressive. It's not being authoritative. It's not throwing yourself out there and letting the entire world see all that you can do. Boldness is being willing to take a risk, and that is what Deborah did. Deborah said, women don't typically lead, but I'm going to choose to step into this role because I know that God can use me. And that's what Carrie did. Carrie was a very, very busy new mom learning a lot in a lot of different seasons, yet she said, I'm willing to take a risk and pull this very broken teenager up to my dinner table Meal after meal after meal because I know and I believe that God has a call for this young person. And that is what a hero of the faith does. A hero of the faith pairs boldness with kindness and ultimately they end up inspiring people around them. I've never been around a bold person, a genuinely bold person and felt uninspired. I'm always inspired when somebody takes a risk. I'm always inspired when somebody is kind and it always makes me want to be like them. And that's what Deborah did, that's what Carrie did. And it inspired me so much so that when Carrie invited me to her dinner table repetitively and invited me into her family, it was so amazing to me as a young person to see God working in a family. It drew me to them so much so that I didn't want to come to the table alone. I wanted to bring somebody with me because it inspired me. And so I brought Jamie, I have a picture of Jamie, I brought Jamie to this table with me. 
And Jamie wasn't even my friend. She just sat behind me in Spanish class, poor girl. And I just invited her. I invited her consistently month after month after month, with, which ultimately turned into a yes. And she came with me to Carrie's dinner table one day. And what I learned about Jamie years later, after she had given her life to the Lord, was that in that season of my relentless invitation towards her was the darkest season she had ever found herself in in her life. And now you know what Jamie is doing? She is serving in full-time ministry, winning people on her college campus. She, the quiet girl who sat behind me in Spanish class, is preaching the word boldly and confidently, and she has gained a new passion, and it doesn't stop there. Jamie has won uh, this girl for Jesus, and we're going to name her Annie. There's a picture of her. And Annie is an international student. Annie just so happened to be at uh, UW-Stevens Point, where Jamie is the InterVarsity chapter director. And uh, she meets Annie, Jamie meets Annie, and she begins to disciple her. Annie gets so excited about living for God, she can't keep it inside. And she shares that with somebody else. And Annie shares that with, we'll name this girl, Laura. And Laura, you know what Laura is doing full-time? She is full-time ministry in China. Are you kidding me? This is what God does when we pull people up to our seat and we don't say next year. We say today, who do you have in my life today? Who is behind my yes? Who is behind my boldness? Who is behind my kindness? And behind that person, who's behind them? And Rick and Diane's risky yes to say we'll continue to grow our family has ultimately left a global ripple effect that they probably don't even know all the details of. Is that not insane? God is so, 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 so good. Let's continue to read in Judges and see what happens next. So Deborah had told Brock, hey, you need to go and do this. This is what we need to see happen, right? And this is how Brock replies. He says, if you go with me, I will go. But if you don't go with me, then I won't go. Certainly I'll go, she says, but because of this course, because of the course you are taking, the honor will not be yours, for the Lord will deliver Sisera into the hands of a woman. That's right, people. (laughs) So Deborah went with Brock to Kadesh. There Brock summoned Zebulun and 10,000 men went up under his command. Deborah also went with him. God is amazing, isn't he? He's so good. And here is what Deborah teaches us. Deborah teaches us that inclusion paired with humility will convey the heart of God. As the story continues to unfold, we see that Brock isn't willing to go without Deborah. And Deborah is willing to be inconvenienced and willing to go too. But instead of just going and then giving Brock the um, reward, instead of just going and saying, that's fine, and you can continue to be victorious, she doesn't do that. What she says is, that's fine, I'll go with you, but I'm going to raise up another woman in this process, she includes people with her in, in a humble way. And while she does that, she's conveying God's heart, because is that not what God does for us? He could have heaven alone. He could sit up there and look at us and say, well, you messed up. 
But that's not what he does, and it's not what he did. Instead, he said, I will include you in heaven with me by going as a baby. He is both inclusive and humble. And when we become inclusive and humble, when we allow other people to go in place of the victory, when we raise others up, we are conveying the heart of God to those around us. I have a video now that I'm gonna share with you and I hope that this video can convey God's heart on a different level. It's from a testimony of some people in our church never even occurred to me that it could happen. Second guessing herself felt movement very little movement. Or something wrong. She didn't love what she was seeing. Easy to think and about. I felt more helpless. The worst thing I've ever been through. Hi, we're the Sours. We've been coming to Crossroads for about three or four years now. My name's Kevin. It's my wife Shannon. We have three little girls. Olivia's five, Leah's three, and Clara is two months old. We found out we were pregnant. We wanted a boy because we have two little girls already. The gender reveal came. We were both disappointed. Um, we were obviously hoping for a healthy baby more than anything, but we both really wanted to have a boy. That contributed to like just my melancholy and not feeling great most of the pregnancy. Not that she was a girl, but that we might not have a boy. That was the hard part. And at one o'clock in the morning, I started having contractions like every two to three minutes and they were getting pretty severe. They just said, yeah, you're having regular contractions, but we weren't really making any other progress. Once I was contraction free for like 10 hours, I felt like maybe they are just gone and we will maybe not have her until May 2nd, which was our due date. But then at one o'clock in the morning, here they go again. Then we're, of course, second guessing ourselves. You know, do we, do we really need to go in? We went and they admitted us and it was the same kind of thing. And so at four o'clock in the morning, they said, you can go home if you want. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was the exact same thing as the night before. There was just like something stirring in me telling me, you know, you don't want to leave. When Dr. Finney got in a couple hours later, so it was around six in the morning, uh, she was glad that we hadn't went home. They'd been continuing to monitor Shannon. She said we needed to go get an ultrasound and make sure that the baby was okay. I hadn't felt movement. She had been very active up until that point, so we knew things weren't, weren't looking good. I was just praying that Shannon and the baby would be okay. The doctor very calmly and immediately said we need to go, we need to have this baby. And then immediately all the nurses and everyone in the room you know, sprang into action. We were going in for an emergency C-section. From the second they said prolapse cord to the baby crying, getting a bath, it was eight minutes. Literally, your life and your baby's life are in their hands. Incredible to see God working through those people. We found out later that had we went home at four o'clock in the morning, there was a very high chance that she would not have made it. Yeah. So just how God used everything, because honestly, had my doctor not been getting there at 6 a.m., I would have wanted to go home. Yeah. I would have wanted to go home. But as soon as she said, your doctor, God put in my life years ago, that reason was so that Claire could be here today. Yeah. And so it's just crazy to think about how all that comes full term. A lot of times, babies that are three weeks early, they don't come out as fully alert as they should. And going in for the C-section, we were very, very nervous. 
that even if they get her out, we don't know if she's going to be in good health or if she's going to cry. And they were worried that her heart might have issues because her heart wasn't responding to contractions. All of these things are like flooding through your mind. The only thing I can say is it was the peace of Jesus. As scared as I was, I truly knew everything was going to be okay. actually went into the operating room. They had already started working on Shannon. And I went up and was able to hold her hand and talk to her. And, and I definitely have never felt more helpless in my life just because there's absolutely nothing you can do. And, and it was very hard. There were definitely moments of doubt that crept in because Shannon's in pain, but she wasn't able to get the pain meds she needed. Doctors aren't really giving you an update and you don't know if things are going according to plan or not. All of your trust is just with the doctors and, and with God hoping that everything's going to be okay. Right when Clara came out, she started screaming. And hearing that noise was, was the most incredible sound I've ever heard. The whole pregnancy struggling, and us to be able to have a boy. In those moments of the hustle and bustle and the fear that was creeping over and all of that, um, I just wanted her. She was who God picked for us. And when they laid her on my chest, it was just such a feeling of like overwhelming love that um, I couldn't help but think, I know it's on such a minor scale, but the love that I feel for her pales in comparison to the love that he feels for me. Yeah, I thought a similar thing about when she cried too. Like that, that sound was so overwhelming. It was joyful, thankful to hear that sound, her, her little voice, her little cry. But I wonder how that compares to, to God hearing us, like someone commit their lives to Him. Shannon and Kevin are such heroes, right? And what Shannon endured, this is the PG version of the traumatic experience that she went through. When Kevin said that she wasn't able to get the pain meds that she needed, that means she felt that entire C-section. And she was willing to do whatever she needed to do to ensure that her baby would be safe and here today. And that is the very heart of God for us. He is a good God. And I sat with Shannon just days after this happened and heard her story. And there are a couple things that Shannon and Kevin wanted me to share with you this morning. And that is this. This is one of the first experiences that they went through of true hardship in their adult life. And what God has taught her is this, that I cannot let my doubt doubt God's goodness. And not just that God's good, but that he's good to me. And though it can be hard for me to grasp when things don't go my way, and when I'm no longer the one in control, if I can keep my eyes fixed on him and the truth found in his word, I can rest knowing that when things don't feel good or go as planned, he is still good to me. So if you find yourself struggling with doubt, Shannon wants to tell you to take that doubt right to God and not to run from him, but to keep pursuing him, and he will pursue you back. 
He makes things clear when we let him. And if you doubt God's ability to be extraordinary, she wants you to know that while she was typing all of this out, her kids were playing nicely. (laughs) I'm not sure if you caught it at the end, but what Shannon and Kevin said was this. She said that she was who God picked for us. And when they laid her on her chest, it was such a feeling of overwhelming love that she couldn't help but think that this pales in comparison to the love that God feels for me. And Kevin says, I thought a similar thing about when she cried. The sound was so overwhelming, so joyful, and I was so thankful to hear that sound, her little cry. I wonder how that compares to God hearing from us, from somebody giving their life to him for the first time. Thank you, Shannon and Kevin, for sharing your story with us and for sharing wisdom with us this morning. You guys need to make sure you hug their necks when you see them, because that is incredible what they have done. And before you begin to think, well, that's easy for them. They've been sold out Christians their entire life, and nothing bad has really happened to them. Kevin and Shannon have really recently began to make faith a priority. In the last seven years, Shannon has decided, I am going to be sold out to him, not next year, this year. And within four years, um, Kevin has given his life to, over to the Lord. And he says, it's been a slow process, but God is growing him and he is growing in his faith. Kevin and Shannon are just ordinary people, just like me and you, but they have allowed God to write an extraordinary story through their life. Let's go back to Judges and see how this story ends for Deborah and Brock. Verse 14, we're going to jump down to 14. It says, Deborah said to Brock, go, this is the day that the Lord has given Sisera into your hands. The Lord has gone before you. So Brock went down with the 10,000 men following him, and the Lord rerouted Sisera in his chariots and his army by sword. And Sisera got down from his chariot and fled on foot. Brock pursued the chariots and army as far as Hereseth, And all Sisera's troops fell by sword. Not a man was left. So these Israelites who had found them in this place of pleading and begging for something to be different and calling upon Deborah and saying, Deborah, what should we do to move forward? Deborah teaches us yet again another thing that we can learn on how to be a faith hero. And that is vision paired with action will impact eternity. Who is behind your yes today? Some of you, I have another story that I'd like to share with you, and some of you may recognize this person. I have a picture for her to show you, and her name is Barbie Miller. Do you guys know (laughs) Barbie? Barbie Miller is somebody who understands vision paired with action and how that can impact eternity. I texted Barbie last night and I said, hey, just wondering, she had no idea, hey, just wondering how many people are going to be at church tomorrow sitting next to you? And she replies, oh, I think 16 is what I confirmed. What? How many people are sitting next to you that you invited this morning? How many people are at your dinner table? And here's the deal. Barbie's ordinary. Barbie's a stay-at-home mom who homeschools her children, who uh, is married to Justin, who is a full-time working man. And you know what Barbie does when her kids go to bed? She comes here to the church to work so that she can take that load off of her husband and help provide for the financial needs of her family. 
Barbie's busy. Barbie is busy with a loaded schedule of busyness. And she has still decided to say, despite my busyness, it will not be my excuse. It will be my drive to continue to win more people for Jesus. Who is here at church because Barbie invited you to church? Look at that. That's incredible. That is so, so incredible. Barbie is ordinary just like me. Shannon is ordinary, just like me. You are ordinary. We are all ordinary. However, we serve an extraordinary God who wants to do extraordinary things through our lives. And one day, at the end of it all, God is not going to look at you and say, well done, my good and successful servant. He's not going to look at you and say, well done, my good and famous servant. He's not going to look at you and say, well done, my good and rich servant. But what he might say is, well done, my good and faithful servant. Be faithful. Be faithful to loving God and loving those around you and being willing to pull up a chair for somebody who is broken, who just needs to see that ordinary is not an inability, but it's exactly where you need to be in order to be used by an extraordinary God. And I wonder how many people are living in what could be their past because you keep focusing on yours. Who is behind your breakthrough? Who is behind your yes? Who is the person who needs to be at your dinner table tonight because they're hurting and they need someone to pull them in and love them through their brokenness? Who can you inspire by being both kind and bold? What is your vision? Your dream, not Craig's dream for you, not my dream for you, not my dream, not Kyle's dream. Now, I can't ask myself what Kyle's dream is for me. What is my dream? What have you been destined to do this year, today? And are you going to wake up tomorrow and say yes? Are you going to have the action paired with that vision so that eternity will look different because of your yes today while you're busy while you're ordinary, because an extraordinary God wants to make a difference through you, and it's okay if you're busy, but the stakes are eternity. God takes what feels like mundane and not so special, and he says, let me show you just how special you are. God is a good God, and he is good to me, and he is good to you, and he wants to use you to raise up people who raise up people, and it can have a global impact behind your yes today, tomorrow, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, meal after meal after meal, patience after patience after patience with the brokenness until they come to find the love and hope and healing that they can only find in Jesus. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for your heart that loves us, your heart that's good to us, your heart that sees us. 
Lord, I pray that we will not take this lightly. And if there's someone in this room who is yet to say, God, have your way in my life, I, I ask that they would, they would come to know you. And if that's you in this place with every eye closed and you're ready to say, God, I'm surrendering my life to you. I believe you're good. Even in my doubt, you're good. Even in my failures, you're good. Would you just lift your hand now so I can pray over you today? Thank you. God, I pray for the hands that are all over this place and I ask that you would come into our lives and you would fill the very broken places, that you would break the addictive chains, that you would give us healing and hope for a better future and a better tomorrow. God, I pray that we would grow in you and take steps to choose to follow you. And if you're in this place with heads continued bowed and eyes continued to be closed, if you're in this place and you are ready to pull up your chair, a chair at your dinner table, if you need to buy a chair at Walmart, if you are ready to pull up another chair and invite people in to the very ordinary places, would you take a bold stand right now in this place today? Stand if you are ready and willing to be that change. God, I pray for those who are standing, those who are making the declaration to say, God, you can use me. I am making myself available to be used by you. I am making myself available to win others. I'm making myself available to see broken people, not as broken people, but as people with uh, a plan, people with a calling, people who have um, plans that they can walk out from you. Lord, I pray that those who are standing today and, and asking you for vision, I pray, God, that there would be action steps tomorrow, that we would begin to reach out to our loved ones and pull people in. God, I pray for people to have the boldness to share their faith with those around them, much like Carrie did with me. And I pray, God, that we would know without a shadow of a doubt that you see us and that you call us and that you want to use us and work through us. We love you, Lord, and we pray these things in your name. Amen. Well, church, I hope you can go ahead and be seated. Thank you. I'm excited because all the people standing, that means there are going to be more stories of brokenness. And again, I wouldn't be here today if someone didn't pull up a chair for me. And so I'm so excited because there are broken people just waiting to be pulled in and to find hope and healing. But here's something that I really want us to chew on and understand today, is that at the end of our lives, no car that we own, whether we were homeowners or not, no matter what rank you achieve in your career or success you have found here on earth, none of those things go with you in heaven. But you know who can go with you in heaven? People people can go with you in heaven. So whose kingdom are you building? Our prayer partners are going to come forward at this time. And if you would like to receive some prayer, if you stood and you just want someone to pray over you and speak life into you, you can come forward and be prayed over. And, um, and if you have something that you're wrestling through in your life, this is an also an opportunity for you to respond and, and be prayed over. But I am so excited and encouraged because I know that God is going to do some incredible things. And it's already 
doing incredible things here at Crossroads Church. You guys are officially dismissed. And before you leave, make sure you snag Barbie and Shannon and share all the love that you can with those incredible women. So thank you guys.